0: Hey, boy. Hey, boy. welcome to the sports garden network podcast your source for sports entertainment and incredible sports wagering intelligence welcome sports fans this is wagering week and i'm tom barton that's right we are wagering week facebook and twitter is how you get a part of the show it's SportsGarden, G-A-R-T-E-N, or hashtag S-G-N gets our attention. It's 855, the number 4, G-A-R-T-E-N, iHeart, iTunes, any of our fine syndicated affiliates. You guys could check us out there. And SportsGarden.com. We have a huge show. I'm going to have Gary Myers on later on with me. You guys know Gary Myers, New York Times bestseller, and HBO, you know, look, he's TV, he's He's doing—I I want to see him in a movie like Tom Cruise. He's he's a television star. He's a writer. He's a newspaper writer. Now he's got a podcast going on. It's the GOAT, Tom Brady. Yeah, he's got a lot of stuff. He's, the only thing left is, is the big screen for Gary Myers. That's about it. We're going to talk to him in a little while. We have the NBA coming up. First, we have to go through the NFL, and that's where I want to start. I want to go through the NFL games. Don't want to waste any time here going through the games. So let's, let's bounce through all the games on Sunday. Tom Brady goes to— to Atlanta in a game that is a lot tougher than I think people are giving credit for. Seven of the past ten games between these two teams, the bucks they're 1-6 and six straight up in the last seven. They have not played well in this spot. Atlanta's defense, they struggle in the red zone. They're 29th ranked. They can't run the ball. The Bucs are favored by four for a reason. Let's see if that bye week really helped all the problems between Brady and Arians. 49ers, Cowboys, two teams that are basically out of it. Disappointing seasons. One has an excuse. There's a lot of injuries. The other one, the Cowboys... I don't know. What do you want me to tell you? They are 3-10 against the spread. The worst mark of the season of anybody in the NFL, but they're 3-2 and 2 against the spread the last five games. What that means here, guys, is that the Dallas Cowboys were overrated for a while. Now they're a little underrated. Here the line is basically a pick em. Niners may be favored by one, one and a half. Niners traveling to Dallas should be an interesting one. Lions, Titans, the talk all week, is Matthew Stafford healthy? Is he healthy? Is he healthy? I say it doesn't matter! The Titans are 8-2 straight up the last 10 games against the NFC, and they're going up against the 29th ranked run defense in the NFL. This is the Derrick Henry game. That's all you need to know about it. Derrick Henry needs to average 156 rushing yards per game over the last three weeks to get to 2,000. He's got an outside shot to hit 21.05, which is the mark that Eric Dickerson set 36 years ago. He is carrying this team on his back and now goes up against a defense that is just a sieve against the run. Texans, Colts, Colts favored by seven. The Colts, whether they're favored, they're underdog, they just cover against the Texans in this rivalry. The Colts are 11-3-1 and one against the spread against the Texans, 10-5 straight up, that is. And they've already beat them this year, three-and-a-half point favored. They won 26-20. You look at what the Titans uh, have done to the Colts in the past. Maybe the Texans could replicate it. No, they can't look. Deshaun Watson is the team here. And you look at the Colts, Houston, has given up 36 points, just gave up 36 points to the Bears and Trubinski. The Colts might not have the best offense, but they're finding something. Jonathan Taylor looked really good in that it's Colts defense, by the way. They forced 22 turnovers, puts the Colts second in the league on the year. Patriots, Dolphins. Dolphins always play well against the Patriots, but they're always seemingly the underdog. Look, they are three and three both straight up and against the spread of the last six games. Doesn't matter who's the quarterback. Doesn't matter what the situation is. Dolphins just play well. Miami at home against New England six and two against the spread of the last eight games there. Xavier Howard, let's not overlook what this guy has done. Five interceptions in five straight games. He got nine interceptions on the year. But this is Bill Belichick against a rookie quarterback. And before you stop and say, "Well, he's different," Justin Herbert was thought to be different, and he lost forty-five to nothing. Bill Belichick is twenty-one and six all-time against rookie quarterbacks. Bears, Vikings, usually a close game. Uh, Vikings kicker, Dan belly he's got to worry you if you're a Minnesota fan. He's missed five field goals over the last two weeks. In a close game with the hook, is a three-and-a-half-point spread. You go, I don't want to be with a kicker like that. Mitch Strabinski is on fire right now. He'd be the ninth-highest-scoring quarterback in fantasy. He's got 776 passing yards, but he's got seven touchdowns over the last three weeks. Only Aaron Rodgers has more touchdowns over the last three weeks since Strabinski took over. Yeah, he's looked good. And by the way, the Vikings, they struggle against... against... Against the Bears. Two and five against the spread against the Bears last seven games. They won 19 to 13 earlier in week 10 as a three and a half point favorite, though. Seattle, Washington. It's going to be cold, it's going to be nasty, and you got some defense, man. Washington's defense is just on fire right now. They Look, they might have struggled a little bit against Jackson and Murray, which might worry you because they're mobile quarterbacks, but their defense has allowed 14 points per game over the last four games. Chase Young looks like a defensive MVP. Their defense ranks in the top 10 in yards and points around for the season. How about the flip side? Seattle, you know they're going to score. You know they have some offense. You know what they can do. Their defense has turned it around. They were historically bad. This defense was terrible. Seattle's allowed only 14 points per game over the last four games for themselves. Jamal Adams looks good. We know how good he can be when he is good. Well, he's on fire right now. Jaguars, Ravens. The line is fourteen. It's a massive line. And the Ravens look—they don't lose when they're massive favorites. They're sixteen and zero, uh, favored by double digits. But they're just five and eleven against the spread. And the Jaguars have been favored by ten or more points three games this year. Two and one against the spread. Although they are zero and three. So, look, money line. Yeah, you love the Ravens. I'm not laying it, but I love the Ravens on the spread. I don't know, but you look at Jacksonville. They've allowed two hundred yards rushing per game, and now they go back to Gardner Shoe. That'll be an interesting situation. But that line is nothing compared to the 17 and a half point line that the Rams are laying against the Jets. Last seven games when the Jets have been an underdog by 10 points, they're one in six. So they don't cover in spots that they're supposed to get crushed, and they're supposed to get crushed here. The Jets' point differential is minus 210. That's the second worst in team history. Minus 214 was set by the 1976 Jets there's a chance that they could get that in this game. The Rams rank second in defensive efficiency and takeaways. They have allowed an average of 19 points, which is third in the league. They look really good defensively. Eagles, Cardinals, who is Jalen Hurts? That's the question. Cardinals are five and a half point favorites. I still don't believe that Jalen Hurts is the answer. I think he ran a lot. He handed it off to Miles Sanders. Finally, I've been screaming all year, give it to Miles Sanders. Most of this was a Miles Sanders type of game. I think Jalen Hurts did just enough. It was a ground game. The Cardinals, they're doing things without Chandler Jones, but you could beat him on the defensive side, but can the Eagles stop Kyler Murray? That's going to be the question here. Browns, Giants, everybody loves the Browns now, right? Baker Mayfield, he's fantastic. He's throwing it all over the field. Baker Mayfield, he's the number one pick. That's He makes it all. Oh well, The Browns, they're 0-6 against the spread and 2-4 and straight up as road favorites. They don't win on the road, and they don't win as favorites on the road. And everybody forgot how good the Giants were just a couple of weeks ago. Giants are 7-1 against the spread their last eight games as an underdog. Now the Giants are middle-of-the-road offense. They're going to give up some sacks. We know the offensive line is a little week, Daniel Jones just can't give the ball over. I mean, that is the key to this game here. If Daniel Jones holds on to the ball, they're going to be fine. And I think that the Giants are a little bit of a value if you believe that Daniel Jones can hold on to the ball. I also don't believe, by the way, that Baker Mayfield has suddenly turned this thing around. I think he's an average quarterback. He's okay. You could win with him, but he needs a lot of help. Steelers, Bengals, Monday night football. Steelers are laying the 12 in the last 14 games between these two teams. The Steelers have gone 13-1 and straight up and 11-3 and against the spread. This is a game where the Steelers have lost two straight games. And if you asked Mike Tomlin in a room where nobody else could hear me, he said, who's the team you want to get well at? What situation? Give me Monday night football. Give me in front of the whole world and give me the Bungles. And that's kind of the situation that we're talking about here. They had Joe Burrow, okay, when they last met up. Steelers were a six and a half point favorite. I told you guys, take the Steelers and watch them crush them 36 to 10. They stopped Joe Burrow. Now, well, who knows who's going to be quarterback right now for the Bengals? I mean, the Bengals are the Bengals right now. Since Joe Burrow has taken, uh, you know, leave here, uh, since he went down, Cincinnati minus six on the turnover ratio. Their offense has averaged eight points per game. Eight, guys. So I just don't think they could do enough. This is a get-right game for the Steelers. Then the game of the day. Chiefs and Saints. This might be the game of the year. This might be the Super Bowl, and Chiefs come in as more than a field goal favorite against the Saints. I think it is a Super Bowl preview. I said that before the year. Yeah, it's a lot of chalk, but I still like it. The Chiefs, though, after covering for about a year and a half and consistently cr- covering, they haven't covered in the last five games. That's the longest non-covering streak in the NFL. That means something. The Saints, they're 9-1 in the last 10 games. They're also 5-1 and against the spread in the last six games. The Saints are 13-1 straight up in the last 14 games against the AFC. There's a lot of things to like about the Saints the Chiefs are 20th in the points allowed over the last six weeks there's a lot to like about the Saints but when push comes to shove in this league and you have got to make a decision between two really good teams and that's what we have here I think the Saints unequivocally you could say moving forward you don't know but I think unequivocally the Saints are the best team right now in the NFC and I think that the Chiefs are unequivocally the best team in the the AFC, and, and, and in all of football right now. So when you have two good teams, what's the X factor? Oh, coaches, yeah, they're both pretty good. Yeah, it's got a good defense, but they got more skill position players. And Michael Thomas and Tyreek Hill, and you got, well, you know what? we got Kamara. Well, we got Kelsey. At the end of the day, it comes down to we have the best player on the planet in Patrick Mahomes. We have a historically good quarterback. You have a tight end trying to play quarterback. I mean, that's where it goes here, guys. There's nothing else to say about this. Now, the Saints are at home. They can pull out a win, but that's what we're looking at here. That is the real situation. It's hard to bet against Patrick Mahomes. So that's the rundown for Sunday. We're going to find a lot about uh, all these teams coming into a playoff race, getting into this situation. But we also have uh, a little bit of something else starting this week. And that's right. On the 22nd, we're going to get a little NBA back, which brings us to What Are The Odds? <laughs> Winning season returns at my bookie. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means insane props, epic bonuses, and the craziest cross-sport wagers, All at mybookie.com. Winning season means watching live sports and betting. Live sports all season long. The NFL has returned. That means action-packed Sundays and huge cash prizes. Get in on the action. Use promo code WAGERWEEK and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free bet play designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Bet with the best this NFL season for your chance to win big. Use the promo code WagerWeek and double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today only at MyBookie.
1: This is two-time Super Bowl champion Ike Taylor and you're listening to Wagering
0: Week. And now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you 3 to 1 odds. You're after. Right. What are the odds? What are the odds? Well, what are the odds? Well, we're going to... December 22nd. That's right. It's opening night in the NBA. What are the odds the early lines? The Warriors are catching five points in Brooklyn at the Barclays Center. The Nets are five and a half point favorites there. Kevin Durant against the Warriors on opening night. That's the first glimpse we're going to get to see. That's pretty cool. Then the late game. Lakers, Clippers, Lakers world champs. They're going to raise the banners. They're going to get the rings, but they got to stare at Kawhi across the court from them and the Lakers will be two point favorites there. That is what are The odds. Yeah, guys, listen, the NBA is here. I mean, it is hot. It is heavy. It is coming right at you real quick. Uh, I know that it feels good for me, even if I'm not an NBA fan, it feels good for me to kind of come on back and say, well, here we are. And we have a lot of storylines in the NBA this year um, that are not necessarily basketball related. Right. We know and we understand that COVID is going to play a role. And as a sports better, and that's who I'm talking to here, sports fans. Yes, absolutely. I'm talking to you guys, too. But as a sports better, we really got to take into account how much impact the COVID situation is going to have long term on this. and, And how do you find your betting spots? So when I'm saying that, what I'm discussing here really is, look, at the end of the day, who got hurt the most by COVID and and who maybe that it helped. And you go, who did it help? Well, yeah. A guy like Christoph Prozingas that had been injured for a little while here, um, he kind of knew he wasn't going to play, wasn't going to push it back, had a long time to recover. Now the late start in the year, well, I didn't have to push it to try to get ready for opening day. I don't have to worry about it. It might help a guy like that. A guy like LeBron, that probably needed some time off, right? A guy like LeBron that over the course of the year, his body's getting a little older. Well, he went deep into a bubble situation. He went deep into a playoff run and a championship run. Now they're coming back. Can his body handle that? That's not good. How about a guy like Kawhi, right? The the guy in Kawhi Leonard that we know every single year, the guy needs a load management. The, the word load management... If you said the word load management like 10 years ago, people will look at you and go, what are you, What kind of weird website are you looking up, right? Load management came about because of Kawhi Leonard. That's why it's here. Load management is because he needs this time off. And in an 82-game season, uh, the load management situation with Kawhi might have uh, been, what, 10, 15, maybe 20 games. I mean, that's what he needs off. I need time. I need time to relax. And it paid off for Toronto when they did it for him, right? Because, hey, what? Yeah, be, be fine for the playoffs. That's all we need you for. Now in a shortened season, how are they going to approach this? Does this mean that he's still going to need his 10, 12, 15 games off? Or is it a spot where Kawhi can actually play more games? I think you need to keep this into the back of your mind when you're talking about prop plays, when you're talking about uh, games in-game and things of that nature. All of these contributing factors have to be included. We also have a situation where the arenas are most likely going to be empty or at a limited capacity at the very least. There are certain home court advantages that it doesn't matter. There are certain home court advantages that it absolutely does. You know, you think back to the years when Michael Jordan was uh, with the Bulls and you had the, all right, coming to the stage, you know, you had the, people were going nuts. You couldn't hear yourself think at the United Center. It was insane, that had to play a role. It's not going to be here anymore. So where would home field or home court in this case matter? Well, how about in Denver? You still have the thin air? That's still something to count on. So there are those kind of things that you have to pay attention to. There's also a lot of new faces in new places. And the new faces in new places gets really interesting when you start to discuss things um, on a grand scale. How will they relate to each other? How can they? How quickly can they they pick this up? Well, in a truncated season, which we're going to have, I do worry about new guys and new faces and new places and how they're going to gel together. Now, I worried about it last year, and I was very adamant to say that both L.A. teams had new faces and new places, and they both were probably the best teams in the league, but I did have my concerns that they would be able to gel Oh, well, LeBron and Anthony Davis were able to gel perfectly fine. They, they looked great. They looked great pretty much right from the get-go. They really didn't have a lot of uh, problems of who's going to get the ball, who's not. They were simpatico. Everything was fine. And I look like an idiot for that, right? But I really didn't because the other side of the equation was I did see the Kawhi experiment being a little off. Right? The Harden-Westbrook experiment, you know what? They didn't get a full time together. That would seem always seemed a little off. There were certain things that just seemed a little off. Well, this year, we do have some new faces and new places. Like I mentioned, James Harden's got some new teammates, right? Uh, We'll see how Wall looks when he comes back. This guy's a a fantastic player, an exciting player. I, I feel like I haven't seen him play basketball in like five years. Right? I mean, I feel like this guy's just never on the court. How about Russell Westbrook and his new digs? Right? Russell Westbrook, one of the most talented players maybe in the history of the NBA and you're looking at Russell Westbrook bouncing from team to team to team and here we go, bouncing again. Right? This is a problem. You go and you look around the league and you say, okay, where's the new faces in new places? Who uh, you know, will Chris Paul be? Who's this guy? Where's that? You start to look and you start to bounce around the league and you, you ask yourself who is benefited and who's not. And then we get to the new face in the new places that we've been waiting for for two years, and that's Kyrie and Kevin in Brooklyn. Now, this is a little bit different of a situation. We've got to take a peek at this situation and look at it quite differently because of the reality that they got to spend a lot of time together. Yeah, they didn't get on the court last year. I I get that. And I think that not getting on the court means something. Sure, that's all there. But they didn't get on the court last year, but they've they been they, they friends. They were working out. They were getting healthy. Kevin Durant had more time to get healthy. I think that matters. I do. I think that the Nets could very conceivably hit the ground running and look like they haven't missed a beat from something that we've never seen before. That's how I, I look at that equation. So, not all things are black and white. Not everything is written in stone. You kind of have to flow with certain situations, and you got to flow with certain situations and say, "How is this guy going to do in this situation? How is that guy going to do?" We this week had Giannis signing with Milwaukee. He signs a long-term deal. That has to have an impact on people in Milwaukee, doesn't it? Doesn't it have to have an impact on the people around him to say, "Okay, he's going to be here a while." I think if you think a superstar's got one foot out the door, there's got to be something in the back of your mind about that. So Giannis is going to stay in Milwaukee. I think Milwaukee's still going to be a very dominant team. I heard a lot of chatter this week that you know Giannis is not going to be able to win a championship in Milwaukee. And I, I I say, what are you talking about? Yeah, what are you talking about? Milwaukee's gotten close, and they've been on a betting line there, the top two or three for the last couple of years because of him. Now. Would it have been more exciting for the league had he said, "You know what? I'm taking my uh, taking my talents down to Dallas and going to play with Luca and and Persingas. Oh yeah, that would have been great. Or I, I, you thought I was going to say South Beach? Yeah, of course. Him going down with, with Butler and South Beach, which everyone thought it was going to happen. Sure. Even to go to New York, I'm going to Madison Square Garden. I'm going to play, you know, for the Knicks. I mean, there's all these ideas that maybe it would have been exciting. But I like that he stayed. I like that he's in Milwaukee. I like that he's playing for the laundry. I like that he's going to be the Milwaukee guy. So that's something you want to take into account. You also have to then kind of go back and say, let's look at last year. Do the expectations and what we saw in a limited time, how much does that impact you? And forget about you. And your opinion, because you and your opinion shouldn't come all that much into your equation, how much does that affect the public, right? I mean, the public at large, how much are they going to go, you know what? Ah, Philly's garbage. They couldn't live up their their advantage. Ah, you know, ah, that Miami run, that was a fluky kind of thing. All right. I mean, how much is the public going to do that? So this is all things that we have to bring into the equation that is not really – on the court, right? It's more off the court situation. And if it's more off the court situation, you still have to take it into account. This is going to be an exciting NBA year. Regardless, you know what we're walking into. We're walking into a year where LeBron sort of has to win to justify it. Because shut up big mouths like me that said, ah, you know what? He had a cakewalk because of of the COVID situation because of the bubble. He didn't have to go against uh, the super teams. He didn't have to go against some of these players. Yeah, I'm that guy. He's got to kind of win to see it. I got to see something from Kawhi. What happened to you? What happened to that team? What what was that situation? Giannis, I want to see Giannis. Look, lift your team up. I want to see more from Luca. Luca Donkey, I, I, bring up Dallas. I, there's a lot to see in this NBA season, and there's a lot to see in the future. Which brings me to Bet to the Future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet, bet to, the to the future. future. Oh, we're talking about the future, and we're talking back to the future. Let's look at the MVP odds for the NBA. Sitting at the top, the guy that I just mentioned, Luca, is plus 325. Giannis is plus 500. 8-1 odds. Steph Curry, 9-1 to one odds. Both the LA Lakers, Davis and James, 12-1 to one odds. Lillard, Harden, and Durant, 16-1. to one. Kawhi, and 16-1 to one is the Joker out in Denver. And you look at some of these odds, guys. Last year, I told you I'm going to take LeBron James. I I was taking LeBron James because I believed that the NBA wanted him to win an MVP, and at nine to one odds, which is what I got him at last year nine nine to one ten to one is where he was sitting. Um, you know, I thought that it was worth the the shot, even though I didn't really think he was going to win. It seemed like it was Giannis's trophy to to lose. It was worth the shot, and it's a voting award, and you have to start to kind of look within things and say, you know, who do they want to win? Because this is not a a solid. Well, this is who's going to do it. No, 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 no. This is a voting award. So this year I'm looking at and I'm saying, you know what? The Joker at 16 to one, that would be fun, but I think he's got to do too many things. Kawhi, I mentioned, I think he's going to miss some time. James Harden, ah, we've seen it, done it. He's going to get a lot of points. Doesn't play defense. Not not quite good enough for Houston there. Uh, Damian Lillard, he put his team on his back, man, but there's only, only so much that this guy can do. I love Lillard. He should get more a claim that he does but he's up against the big boys here. James and Davis both 9 to 1 tell you a little something. They're kind of going to cancel each other out. LeBron James's numbers might actually be smaller than Anthony Davis's but people will probably vote for James because it's LeBron James. So I'm canceling them out because I think they cancel each other out. Luka at the top of plus 325. I love Luka. I think he's going to win multiple MVPs, multiple championships. This guy is on a just a ridiculous Hall of Fame career pace but at plus 3 25 there's there's just literally no value there and then you have Giannis at five to one he's almost in the Mike Trout vein you want to sit here you want to give me a call up you want to you want to write me at sports garden GARTN at Facebook and Twitter and tell me all day long Giannis is the guy I'm putting money on Giannis Giannis Giannis. I'm not going to tell you not to because I get it but it's the Mike Trout factor for me five to one is just not enough for me to tie up my bankroll for this many months so the two guys that I left out there in talking is Steph Curry at eight to one, which makes a lot of sense to me, and and Kevin Durant at twelve to one. Steph Curry at eight to one, without Clay Thompson, without Kevin Durant on the court, averaged in thirty six minutes forty three points per game, but it's in a limited time. I don't know if the Warriors are going to be good enough to really give Steph any real push here. I, I feel like he almost needs a Clay, even though the numbers say that he doesn't. I think he does. Eight to one. Yeah, look, I, it would be my second choice, which means my first choice is Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant, for more than just the numbers, I mean, we know that that Kevin Durant is going to put up some good numbers. He's going to look very good. And he's going to lift up a Brooklyn Nets team that when you look at the Brooklyn Nets, he's going to lift up this team and all of a sudden we're going to go, wow, Brooklyn's in contention. Why? Well, it's not going to be Kyrie. It's going to be because of Durant. And people want to root for Kevin Durant. People like the idea that Kevin Durant could go head-to-head with LeBron and Kevin Durant's one of the best players in the league and Kevin Durant is coming back from an injury. So I think the voters want to root for Kevin Durant and want to vote for him. So if I'm looking at an MVP race, he can throw a little money in Steph, sure. I'm not talking you how to throw it on Giannis, who I think is just absolutely dominant. But where my money's gonna lie, I'm going with Kevin Durant at 12-1 to 1 odds. It makes the most sense to me. It's the the one that jumps off the page for me. I'll go with Kevin Durant at 12-1 to 1 odds if I'm putting it on anything. All right, guys. We're going to take a quick timeout. When we get back, Gary Myers is going to join us to talk a little NFL football. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back, everybody. Guys, Tom Barton here. This is a special guest that I'm bringing on, and it's a guest that, look, he's been a friend of the show for years. I follow him all the time, and I mentioned it last week. Last week, I was checking out some of his tweets. I said, I got to see if I can get Gary on, on the line, so he's going to be here. It's Gary Myers. Look, He's been a newspaper star, worked at the New York Daily News, Dallas Morning Star, TV star, HBO, Inside the NFL, New York Times bestseller, Brady versus Manning. We've had him on the show talking about that, but now, all of a sudden, he's getting into the podcast world, and it's good stuff. But check him out. It's The GOAT, Tom Brady Podcast. It's 12 episodes. He just had Joe Namath on. You can go check that out at iHeartRadio and Diversion Pods. This is the guy that we want to talk about, about an array of different subjects. So let me welcome him on. Gary, how are you doing today? Tom, how are you? It's good to talk to you again. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Gary, I mentioned you on the show last week uh, because I've been following you for for a couple of months now. Look, I follow you all the time at Gary Myers NY over on Twitter. But for a couple of months now, you've really dug into the New York Jets head coaching search and what that would bring. And I find it really interesting when people are talking about, well, you know, maybe they'll go get Harbaugh. I'm somebody that kept saying Dabo. And do they go with, with, you know, this guy or that guy? Now Bill Cowher's come, uh, you know, up and he's come bubbling to the surface. You've been pretty adamant saying... I think their best option is to go make a deal and go get Sean Payton. Talk to me about that. Yeah, I
1: mean, that's just a best-case scenario for the Jets. Tom, I really compare the situation right now to how it was towards the end of the 1996 season when they were coming off a 1-15 season. I mean, they were putting together a 1-15 season, and the year before they were clean 13 with Rich Kotite, and they went and got Bill Parcells. And he immediately changed the culture and in the second year had the Jets in the AFC Championship game. Sean Payton is the closest to Bill Parcells that we've seen out of all the coaches that have come out of the Parcells-Belichick tree. I have no idea if he would be interested or if the Saints would allow him out of his contract other than a few years ago, before he signed his extension, there was rumors that they would be willing to trade him, which at the time seemed preposterous to me, and I still don't understand why they would want to do that. But maybe my theory is based, maybe this is the point where if Drew Brees does retire, that Sean looks at this as a natural break point uh, in New Orleans and is looking for a new challenge. Maybe he thinks Taysom Hill is the new challenge. I don't know. But was it apparent that the Jets are going to wind up with the first pick and get Trevor Lawrence? The fact that Sean coached with the Giants, so he's aware of the area and the media, um, obviously is aware that the Jets haven't won a Super Bowl in 50 years and, and how his legacy would just be so enhanced. He was able to revive the Jets and somehow get them to and then win a Super Bowl, and at the same time develop this quarterback, who many consider to be the best prospect, you know, since John Elway in 1983. So I think there are a lot of appealing things to this, um, including the fact that you know the Jets would have to pay him a lot of money, a lot more than he's making in New Orleans, and I'm sure he's right at the top of the list with Belichick right now. And then the Jets have the draft capital to to make a trade. Now, obviously, I'm not giving up the first pick in the draft if I'm the Jets, but they own Seattle's pick this year in 2021 and 2022. I think there's an extra three or four involved in there, and they've accumulated a lot of picks. So they have the draft capital to make an enticing offer to the Saints. And all I think it would take would be Sean saying that he wants to do it because you can't have a coach who wants to leave, continue to be your coach, Again, I have no idea if this would be appealing. I'm just saying I absolutely would make sure I make that phone call just to eliminate that, if nothing else, as a possibility, because you never know. That, and I think he'd be perfect.
0: I think it would, it's a great idea, and I think that it makes a lot of sense. The question's going to be, how much do you have to give up? Obviously, Sam's going, you know, right? So, so Darnold would be one. What else are you giving up? Are you giving up um, you know, a second? Are you giving up a first next year? Are you giving up more capital than that? What's a likely scenario that they could ask for back?
1: Well, what do you think about the idea
0: of Seattle's one and Sam Darnold? It sounds expensive, but it's or- really not if you get it right, right?
1: exactly. I mean, the coach and the quarterback are the two most important uh, pieces of any team that's going to win a championship and they'll get the quarterback and Trevor and you get, if, if, uh, if Sean isn't the best coach in the NFL, I mean, he's eight and one the last two years without Drew Brees starting Teddy Bridgewater and some Hill. I mean, that's pretty good. Um, So if if Sean isn't the best coach in the league, it doesn't take very long to get to where he is on the list. And I mean, you can wind up trading Sam and, and, I think the best case in getting Sam would be a low one or a high two, perhaps. I think the more he plays this year, the more his value is value is dropping. (laughs) And, um, but it's going to take a coach, say like a Kyle Shanahan or, or just a Sean, uh, Sean Payton, um, to get this guy turned around. And I, I, I really think, you know, Sam, Sam, I, still I believe has a a tremendous amount of potential and just needs to get into a better situation. And somebody who can see through all the problems and all the barriers that he's had in New York and say, well, maybe he becomes Ryan Tannehill and becomes a playoff quarterback in a new surrounding. So, I mean, I wouldn't give up three ones to get Peyton, but I would give up a one and a three or a one in Donald because again, just think how important a head coach is in the NFL. And, And, and if you can get a guy who, who's won a Super Bowl, who knows New York, who's terrific with quarterbacks, then I would do everything I can to get them. Again, I would mortgage the future and give three ones, but, you know, they got two twos for a safety that they weren't going to pay $17 million a year to. So they have some extra picks, and we'll see. I mean, also, you know, with Joe Douglas here, um, I don't know if he has a relationship with Sean or whether Sean would want to work with Joe. You know, these are all variables that I don't have the answer to all I'm saying is make the phone call and and see what happens
0: on the phone with Gary Myers go check out his new podcast the goat Tom Brady podcast Joe Namath was just on so this is uh something you guys want to go check out now Gary uh, look I've brought up the point that Woody Johnson's back right he's not a he's not an ambassador anymore or he won't be soon he's back you brought it up that he wants to kind of last time he did this it, it was Parcells you know I think that he's got to make a splash, and the guys like Harbaugh come up, and you hear Cower come up, and you hear Peyton. <clears throat> I think he does have to make a splash, but is there a world where he says, you know what, instead of making a splash, maybe I go uh, with somebody that like a Robert Sala, like like uh, you know the offensive coordinator up in Buffalo, and people are go, j- jumping all over Eric B. Do, does he do that, or is unable. this a splash?
1: Well, <clears throat> just to um, talk about the history of this, Parcells was hired— by Leon Hess. So that was before That was three years before Woody bought the team. And then Belichick walked away about two weeks before the sale to Woody was complete. And then all his hires after that were first year head coaches, Al Groh, Herm Edwards, Eric Mangini, Rex Ryan, Todd Bowles. And he was already the ambassador when his brother hired Adam Gase, who had just come off three years in Miami where he had overall had a losing record. I'm not sure when Woody comes back, uh, if he'll be a part of this coaching search or whether he'll still be involved in his role as the ambassador. I'm not sure when the turnover, the changeover happens with the new administration, but I, I think the search will be left in the hands of Joe Douglas. Uh, Christopher Johnson you know, botched the last one with Mike McKagan hiring Gase. One of the reasons they hired Douglas was because he's connected around the league, uh, which the, neither one of the Johnson brothers are, and they've a couple times had to hire search firms to get them the candidates. Uh, Douglas might go the route of the hot coordinator, um, the first-time head coach. I, I think it's a little risky. I mean, everybody thinks very highly of Eric Bieniemy, but I'm still not even sure if he's calling plays. How often he's calling the plays there in Kansas City, and you know how much of this is Andy Reid. Uh, Brian Dable in Buffalo's got a, done a great job. With Josh Allen, uh, the head coach there, Sean McDermott is a defensive coach. So it appears that, you know, Dave Ball would be more involved or have more autonomy on the offense there than the enemy has in Kansas City. But then the enemy is, is a really strong leader. We, we've seen that on some of the footage of him talking to the players. Um, if you get to learn offense, you might as well learn it from Andy Reid. Uh, and bring that system with you. Um, and it does appear by watching these games that he at least calls some of the plays. So y- you want him calling all of the plays. If you get a hire the enemy, then y- you want you want the whole package. You, you do want him calling the plays, but at the same time, you want him to be the head coach of the entire team. The Jets, until Greg Williams got fired, basically had two head coaches. Adam Gase was the coach of the offense, and Greg Williams was the coach of the defense. They need to get a leader in here who can change the culture, comes in with credibility, excites the fan base, and there's no understating that. Um, You know, the Jets got to get the fans back in the the seats next year. And obviously getting Trevor Lawrence will be a big part of that, but they got to get a coach in here that the fans embrace right off the bat. There was such negativity from the second they hired Adam Gase that, Um, The fans just never gave him a chance and he did nothing to then earn their respect. So this is a crucial, crucial hire for the Jets. Again, I compare it to where they were after the 96 season when they got Parcells, they need to hit a home run here.
0: Yeah, I, I will tell you. It's going to be a complete culture change here. Gase is gone. They're going to get Trevor Lawrence. Lots of money to spend under the cap. My guest right now is Gary Myers. Go check him out on Twitter, at Gary Myers NY and his new podcast. This is a good one. The GOAT Tom Brady Podcast. It's a 12-episode podcast on iHeartRadio, Diversion Pods. Just had Joe Namath on talking about Tom Brady. So I want to get into the man. I want to get into a little Tom Brady here. It seems that... The Tampa Bay Bucks <laughs> have just been one of the most ridiculous roller coaster teams that I can remember. Preseason, everybody on the betting line, everybody was going on him. It's one of the biggest handles. I've talked to the Las Vegas sportsbook directors. One of the biggest liabilities that they have is if Tampa Bay wins the Super Bowl. Everybody loved them. Then they came out a little slow. Oh, here it is. Brady, uh, new team, new system. He's terrible. Then they started winning, and oh, here we go. Brady's back. He's got all the pieces. And you know what? Now he can't throw more than 20. Yards and that's it. The guy's got a noodle arm, and all of a sudden you start to kind of see the ebbs and flows. So let me ask you, what do you make about this Tampa Bay team? Because I think it is a crazy up and down season.
1: It really is. The Bucks were not helped. I mean, no team was helped by the lack of an off season where you know Tom would have wanted to come in and have his receivers with him every day and really work out a lot of the you know the transition stuff in in April, May, and June rather than having to do it once training camp started. So I, I thought going into the season, Tom, that this would be a team you could point to and say they're going to get better as the season went on. And it's, it's they went through this really bad stretch where they got crushed at home by the Saints, then they won a game, and then they lost back-to-back. I think that was the order, where they, then they lost back-to-back to the Rams and the Chiefs at home, and then they had their bye, and they, they played really well against the Vikings last week, so... We'll see you know if this if they're on a roll now they have Atlanta, Detroit, and Atlanta to finish up so they can easily win their last four games and go into the playoffs with some momentum but um i I thought they would be better I thought they would struggle early and then just get better. They got off to a pretty good start and then you know they hit that really bad stretch that I mentioned, and you know they beat a, a decent Vikings team. this isn't a great Vikings team by any means, but you know they played well in beating them. Uh, the other day, and, and and Tom threw a really nice long ball for a touchdown to Scotty Miller. He can throw deep. He, I know what you said about the noodle arm, and people were saying that, but he doesn't have a noodle arm. He's got a strong arm. It's just that these 40-yard passes, 50-yard passes down the sidelines, that's never been his game. It's always been within 25 yards of the line of scrimmage between the numbers, you know, between the hashes, and occasionally going deep like when he had Randy Moss. But Bruce Arians, with this no-risk-it-no-biscuit approach, has not adjusted to having Brady as his quarterback. I mean, why would you bring in the greatest quarterback of all time and then try to make him play your offense? That's that's what I think was the whole flaw in the thinking in Tampa. You know, you can bring in Tom, you run Brady's offense. I mean, the guy's been to nine Super Bowls. It works. Uh, Bruce Arians has been the offensive coordinator on one team that won a Super Bowl and a a receivers coach, with the Steelers the first time around, that won a Super Bowl – I would say that Brady's track record is better than Arian's, so if you're going to have to pick one of the two uh, offenses to run, you run Brady's. I think it's very difficult to mesh the two systems. You'd run one or the other. And if you want to run Arian's offense, then keep Jameis Winston or bring in somebody else. If you bring in Tom Brady, then run the offense that Brady's been very successful
0: with. Yeah, you know, everybody mentioned the long ball. I said, well, last year, uh, Josh Allen was the worst long ball thrower in the NFL. We know he's got the, the arm. Uh, sometimes there's there's contributing factors. I would love that you brought up Arians, though, and I want to transition there. Because for years, for two decades, we heard, you know, Belichick and Brady are kind of at each other. And, you know, there, there's a little bit of headbutting there and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I, I see it a little bit with Arians. Arians here, you know, you did the Antonio Brown thing. Well, we don't want him. We don't want him. Well, he's here now. Well, that you knew that was kind mm-hmm. of Tom's thing. And like you said, um, you know, the not going long and play mine situation. And then Arians comes out a couple of weeks ago and said, well, it's not that Tom can't make those deep throws. It's that he's reading the defense is wrong. And I felt like that was throwing him mm-hmm. under the bus, even though it seemed like, like a compliment. Um, do you see that they're a little bit of odds? Well, I'm not sure
1: they're at odds as much as that Arians approach is different than Belichick. Um, in, in this regard, Belichick would be very tough on Brady in meetings and in practice. I'm sure Tom was happy about it, but he never criticized him publicly. Belichick does not criticize any of his players publicly. Where Arians is honest to a fault, he almost has the attitude like, ask me a question, I'm going to answer it. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to try to cover for my players. So after they lost, the Bucks lost the opener to the Saints, in New Orleans and, and Tom didn't play well. He had a pick six in that game. Arians was critical of Brady. I don't know. Whoa, you know, 20 years in New England, Tom never heard this after one game in Tampa, the coach is already critical being critical publicly. And Arians has done that throughout the course of the season. Tom will never tell you if that's kicking him off. He will never admit to it. I just can't imagine that he's happy about it. And, um, Whether that's affecting their relationship, it's very hard to tell this year, with no access. I mean, everything's on these Zoom calls where the answers are very formula-like. I mean, nobody's been forthcoming on Zoom calls. Half the time, you don't even know who you're talking to. If if reporters had access to the locker room, and they can get a feel for what's going on, then I think that um, more of the true story about the dynamics of the Bucks would be coming out. They had the bye week. There was a story that um, the NFL shot down their request to go Arians and Brady to go play golf together. I don't think there's a a problem with them personally as much as there is professionally. And perhaps the bye week gave them a chance to, I mean, I know the bye week gave them a chance to do a lot of self-scouting. Whether or not they say, okay, this is working and that's not working. And what's working is Brady's offense. And what's not working is Arians offense. I mean, we'll see over the next few weeks. Uh, how many changes they've made? It uh, obviously they're off to a good start post by being the Vikings, um, and now they have, like I mentioned, you know the Falcons, the Lions, and the Falcons. You can't ask for anything more than that uh, as you're trying to nail down a playoff spot.
0: We're on the phone with Gary Myers. Podcast is the Goat Tom Brady podcast. Go check it out on iHeartRadio Diversion Pods. Gary, I thought when Brady came over here, it was almost a lose-lose situation for him, meaning that it, he had to win a Super Bowl to kind of vindicate everything. And if anything came up short, people are going to go, well, see, he didn't win. Um, what do you think is a successful season for Tom Brady? Where, How far does he have to go? What kind of personal accomplishments does he have to have? What is a successful year?
1: Winning the Super Bowl. Uh, that's why they brought him in. That's why he went there. Uh, He had other other opportunities. He he studied the roster, studied the coaching staff, and picked the team that he thought uh, he had the best chance to win a Super Bowl with. You know, in addition to clearly he wanted to move to warm weather. Um, So I'm not saying he will have failed if he didn't win a Super Bowl because obviously it's very hard to do that. I'm just saying that a successful season will only be judged if they do at least get there. I mean, the game's in Tampa also. That's why he signed there. That's why they signed him, was to get to the Super Bowl. So anything less than that, then they didn't accomplish their goal. I think from the outside looking in, you'd say if Tom gets this team a couple of rounds deep into the playoffs, that would be a success. They haven't even made the playoffs since 2007. So, if you you know, in his first year there, if they win a playoff game and get eliminated in the divisional round or even get to the championship game and lose, you'd have to say – you know the culture has been changed; that they can build on experience, on this experience for 2021, and um, and the move worked. But I know how Tom thinks, and he didn't go there to do a slow build there for 2021. He went there because he thought he can win the Super Bowl this year. So in his mind, at least, the season will be uh, not will be a it's hard to say a failure, but it, he will not have accomplished his goal. Um, if he doesn't at least have the Bucks in the Super Bowl, you look around the NFC, Tom. I mean, what team are you really scared of that you know the Bucks would say you know that's going to be an impossible situation? Now if they have to wind up playing in Green Bay in the NFC Championship game, well they they already beat the the Packers early in the season and they
0: have no defense
1: pretty handily, right? And and, and going there, see, I just don't think the home field is going to mean all that much in the playoffs this year. with, either no fans or very limited fans allowed to, to attend the games. So, so going to green Bay, the, the biggest obstacle will be obviously having to stop Aaron Rodgers, but then it'll be the cold weather. It won't be because, you know, the Packers have tremendous fan support and and Lambeau is usually a difficult place to play. That part of it is eliminated from the equation. Same thing with if you have to go to Seattle, I mean, the giants just went to Seattle and beat them with a backup quarterback who hadn't won a game in a really long time. Would the Giants have won in Seattle? If they had 70,000 people there and in the noisiest stadium in the league, I don't think they would have won that game. So everything changes now uh, because of no fans in the stands. And th- the biggest advantage of being the number one seed is not necessarily that you get to play all your games at home. It's that you don't have to play a first-round game, and you're the only team in each conference that doesn't have to play a first-round game. And that always helps, having that bye week. But As far as having the games at home. It just doesn't mean as much this year.
0: I think the Saints are it, right? I mean, the Rams are a little dangerous. There there are some teams that are a little dangerous. Rams are a little dangerous. Of course, Green Bay is a little dangerous. But that Saints, mm-hmm. uh, is that a mental thing that you think? I, I mean, I can't believe that the Saints manhandled them the way that they did.
1: Manhandled the Bucks, you mean?
0: Yeah. I, you know, it just... Uh, yeah, yeah. I think that's the you one know, matchup te- that they'd be worried about. Yeah,
1: I mean, the, 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 the Saints' defense might be Brady's kryptonite, for all we know. He didn't really have a history against them prior to this year and he played two of his worst games of the season against definitely the worst game of the season when they got I think it was 38-3 to three or something like that um, <clears throat> the game in Tampa that might have been the worst game of his career um, and then he, he didn't play well at all in the, in the season opener but we kind of wrote that off as it was just a season opener and he's just learning the names of all his teammates at that point um, that's the one matchup I'm sure the Saints don't want I mean the Bucks don't want but Tom, at the same point, it's re- it's a cliche, but it's true. It's really hard to beat a team three times in one season. Oh yeah. And um, so that that would be fascinating if if it ends up with the Bucks at at New Orleans. And you know when exactly is Drew Brees coming back? And you know the the, the reports are you know eleven cracked ribs. <laughs> 11. <laughs> I, I, I mean it's amazing, and and the punctured lung, and I mean is it even is it conceivable that he's even coming back this year? It seems that he will, but how rusty is he going to be? Um, I'm sure if he's coming back, that the Saints want to get him on the field before the playoffs to try to, you know, work out any work off the rust or you know work out the kinks. They just don't want him coming back, and then his first game back is is a playoff game. So uh, it's going to be an interesting um, last you know stretch of the season here than the playoffs. The other thing that you can't overlook is which team stays away from COVID. And that's good. I think that, I mean, I hope it doesn't become the determining factor in any of these games, but you know, what happens if there's a situation like occurred in Denver where they lost all three of their quarterbacks? What happens if that happens with, if that occurs with a playoff team
0: Yeah, that and they have crazy. to
1: go pick a guy off the practice squad I would like to think that these teams are going to be uh, taking even more precautions than they have during the season. And I think they've all done a good job. It's just, this is a pandemic we're going through and, and the, the NFL is not immune to it. So the playoff teams, I mean, it, it could be a, a game of attrition in the playoffs. You know, who can keep their
0: team the healthiest? It certainly can be. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Gary. You've given us plenty of time. And that is Gary Myers. Go check him out on Twitter. It's Gary Myers NY and his new podcast, the goat Tom Brady, 12 episodes. You can go check it out on iart radio diversion pods. And he had Joe Namath on this week. Yeah. I mean, what's better than hearing Joe Namath talk about the goat. So go check that out guys. Enjoy the NFL. Enjoy NBA next week. Enjoy it all. I'm Tom Bard for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and
1: you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be part of the show, call
0: 1-855-4GARTEN. That's 1-855-442-7386. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at SportsGarten. That's G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarten.com.